Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of design, building, and remodeling. I'm Todd Miller of Isaiah Industries, manufacturer specialty metal roofing and other building materials. Today, my co-host on Construction Disruption is Ryan Bell. Ryan, how is today going for you? So far, so good, Todd. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really, really well. Um, Sometimes we do a couple of dad jokes in this episode. I understand you have a couple prepared for us. I am prepared to drop some laughter this Friday morning. Drop some laughter. I love it. Why did the pony ask for a glass of water? Why did the pony ask? You know, I feel like I should get this. Um, I, I know it. Should I ruin it for you? Yes. Because he was a little horse. Yes, yes, there we go. One more. How many apples can you grow on a tree? The, this one I do not know. How many apples can you grow on a tree? All of them. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I got the little horse, but I didn't get all the apples. That's embarrassing. Oh, well. Well, just to let our audience knows we'll also see how we end up doing on our challenge words so uh, both ryan and i and also our guest um, have a challenge word uh, that we have been given to try to work into the conversation as seamlessly and unnoticeably as possible and so we encourage our audience if you hear any weird words think to yourself maybe that's the challenge word and at the end we will reveal our success or lack thereof so let's go ahead and get the show started are you good with that ryan Yes, let's get going. Well, today we're going to take a deep dive into the world of construction project management with an industry expert who is at the forefront of innovation and efficiency. Um, Joining us today is David Hernandez, the head of U.S. operations at Alicosoft, a trailblazing company specializing in cutting-edge construction project management software. Now, we're going to be picking David's brain on a variety of subjects, but one in particular subject that we think is of really good importance in today's rapidly evolving construction landscape, and that is the subject of schedule compression. Kind of interesting. So I I operate more on the manufacturing side of things, and we actually deal with schedule compression too. If you're having like tooling built or something, um, oftentimes compression is kind of an option available to you um, at an extra fee, but you know sometimes you take advantage of that. So I'm I'm excited to hear about how that impacts the world of construction. Uh, we're going to be exploring the strategies, technologies, and best practices that can help construction professionals streamline their projects, deliver faster results, and stay ahead of the game in a fiercely competitive industry and market. Uh, market. David, it's a pleasure to have you today as our guest on Construction Disruption. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to a great discussion. Um, Can you kind of start by explaining what schedule compression means in the context of the construction industry and, you know, why it's important, why people care about it? I guess the schedule compression is just probably the terminology people use. Some people call it optimization, right? But it's just simply just a methodology to shrink, shrink the project delivery time, right? You have a set, you have a set time from start to finish. Construction companies are always trying to find an edge on how can we complete this a little quicker, right? So that 
why that would be important. It's going to help you deliver, you know, obviously you can reduce some cost, right? Benefit of repeat customers because if you're delivering the projects on time, that's that's always a that's always a win for the for the end user and the customer. But it just also, I think it, it I think it also has a little bit different um, methodology around planning and kind of the way you communicate and collaboration. So I think that that also just um, just kind of delivers some harmony across the across the project as well. So you know that's I I I, I guess I share like I guess a quick simple analogy would be. The way I plan vacations versus the way my wife plans vacations. I'm simple. I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm a, I'm a week long guy. I don't really care how. I know we got to start to finish. How we get there, we're going to get there. My wife is let's cram everything in as quick as possible so we can do a bunch of different things between start and finish. So that would be a similar analogy, I guess. Love it. Good analogy. We can't share this with her, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no one, <laughs> no one else in the world will see it. So you're good. Uh, promise. Anyway, uh, so, well, I'm I'm curious. I mean, in today's you know, really pretty fast paced construction environment, um, what are some of the big challenges that contractors face when they're thinking of trying to compress their schedules? Well, I think you know the the thing that's probably on everybody's mind today is labor. Probably labor shortages are, are an issue. Sure. So actually, I think schedule compression kind of plays into that a little bit because if you can kind of compress the time timeline, you can do a little different. You can be a little more creative with some of your with some of your labor force. You can overlap some. You can overlap some things. You can do things that time wise maybe help. I think the one thing that you, we have you always have to look at is the complexity around a around a project. How complex is this project? Every project, there's no projects out there that are cookie cutter. I mean, even if you're doing the same type of projects over and over, they, they change. So you have to look at the complexity of a project, the area that you're in. You know, you can say, hey, we're going to we're going to extend work hours or we're going to throw additional resources. But maybe the support mechanisms might be different on this project than they were last project. So maybe working overnight may not make sense if you don't have some support around around your crews. So that's so that's a piece that you have to, to look at. And I think. If you're working with a crew or a team that you're familiar with, that that matters. But if you're working with a new group of people that you haven't worked with in the past, that could probably cause cause some issues as well. So, there's I mean, there, I think if you if you listed them out, there could be 50 different reasons. But I, I would think you know complexity, labor shortage, and probably the team and collaboration you're you're working with probably matter. Makes a lot of sense. Well, you know, when you think about this, trying to optimize optimize timetables and so forth, I mean, do you more often feel that it's the project owner that's trying to push this, or is it more often the contractor, or or you know, what where does that fall? I think it could be both. Um, obviously, the, the the contract owner always wants more, right? I, mean, that, I think that's just standard across any industry. Where right? can you deliver more? Um, sometimes it's about rescuing a project, right? Maybe there were some un, you know, unforeseen delays in a project, so now we're behind. How can we rescue our timeline? So, so, so that, that would be the contractor would probably step in there. But also if they've had success doing this over the, pa of the past few projects, they have a little bit more methodology around it, some understanding. They've got some safety procedures in place and some, they've, they, they can analyze the risk pretty easily. Yeah, I think that, I think that the contractors would push it, you know, just as much as not more of the owner, but the owner always wants more. They always can get it quicker or can I get a little bit more? Very interesting. So 
So, so not necessarily. I mean, you know, a lot of times when I think of compression, especially in our industry, um, tool and die industry and so forth, it's usually all decided up front. Okay, you know, we're going to pay extra to throw all the resources at this and get it done more quickly than than a normal timetable would be. But sounds like, yeah, sometimes in construction, this is something you end up entering into after the project is already underway. Am I understanding that correct? You could end up in it when it's when it's out of the way, but but I think so. There are some. There are probably more times that you're probably doing this on from an upfront perspective. Again, like the if it's the project's underway, it's probably because the project's in trouble. Something's happened. There's delays. There's threats of if we don't get it done here, I've got to I've got to deal with my LDS down the road. So we 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 can throw a little bit more resources at it to, at risk of litigation at the end. Um, but I think it it does happen. I would say probably more pre-planned than it would happen during a project. I mean, gotcha. I, at least in my experience. I, I mean, I, again, there might be some other people that probably have a different opinion, but I, I've, I've seen it mainly done as a, as a planned upfront approach. Makes sense. Well, um, tell us how Elicosoft plays a role in that. I mean, you have construction project management software. Um, you bring this technology to the industry. So um, how does that play a role in helping companies when they are trying to optimize schedules and, and so forth? So I think that, you know, first, first and foremost, right, we're a software company, construction software company. Our primary, our primary product is Asta, Asta, which is, um, you know, planning and scheduling software. And one of the things that we, we specialize in is providing, providing data in one centralized, one centralized environment. So that, that, that helps the collaboration piece. Um, we have our active 4D model, which allows for, allows for the taking the 3D model and bringing it into our software from a technology perspective. But but I think one thing that makes us unique around that active 4D is we've we've had some customers who kind of flipped this scheduling methodology and construction on its head a little bit where they've started with the model. Let's bring the 4D model in, let the software read it, and the software will then build a schedule. So quick example was um, one of our customers, Simic out of Australia. Um, they were they were having a hard time scheduling a very complex project and Nobody could figure out. So the company, so the customer brought them the model, and the scheduler was able to take that model and turn it into turn it into the 4D. They submitted it into Power Project. So they were trying to do this over a period of about a month. Nobody could figure out. A scheduler put it in. The model was then read by Power Project. Over the weekend, they were able to schedule out this schedule out this project using the 4D model. And what they found was the customer was saying, "This is a 12 month project." Well, really, because they were able to put it into an actual schedule model, right, from, from start to finish, they realized it was an 18-month project. So they were able to go back to the owner with actual data and say, no, really, it's an 18-month project. Here's all of the steps. Here's, you know, here's the critical path. Here's everything that needs to happen. So saving a customer six months of change orders on a very complex project was extremely efficient. So that, so that helped, um, you know. We also have the ability to do some resource allocations, right? What if scenarios? There's a lot of other things in there that would help around this methodology around, you know, if we're trying to do something that is, you know, there's some risk in doing schedule compression because if you miss or mess up, it could make it even worse. So you need good software around that, you know, to make sure that that's, that's organized well. And I think that we do that very, very well. Are you guys a 
kind of the unicorn um, in the industry when it comes to that 4D type thinking and process? So around the 4D collaboration, we are absolutely the unicorn. We're the only software that has 4D integration with a CPM schedule. Um, there's 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 companies that do the 4D. There's companies that do scheduling software. I've yet to find one that does them both together and do them as well as we do. Um, so yeah, I would I would claim that. I claim we're the unicorn. Absolutely. Good to be the unicorn. <laughs> Very cool. Well, okay. So I need help here. Um, help me explain what what 4D is a little bit. Help me understand that a little bit. Um, 3D I can handle. Okay, I went to I took geometry class. Um, 4D I need a little help with. So it's the exact same thing. It is based, but it's the digital. It's the digital piece of that. The 3D model I can touch, right? I can t- the the, the bit sure. I can touch it. 4D is taking that physical uh, model, turning it into a digital file. So we typically take IFC files, which is pretty. It's pretty much the industry standard today. We kind of put all of our eggs in that basket a few years ago when the industry had multiple different files that they were going after. We chose IFC. Um, don't don't ask me about all the technical stuff. It's above my acumen. But it so it just takes that 3D model, puts it into a 40 um, 40 format that allows the our our system to read it. And what's and, and it's very data rich. So, you know, these, these architects and engineers put a lot of time and energy into building, building this information. So it's extrapolating all that data. So you take that 40 model, you put it into a software. It's a, it, it tells you from start to finish, you can put automations in it. You can see, you know, where your layouts are. How do, how, how's this actually? So you can actually watch how this project can be built before you even get started. And it's, um, that's been, so when you talk about complex projects or large projects or multiple stakeholders that are involved, it, it, it really allows some visual um, visual representation for everybody. So, yeah. so just think the same thing, the 3D, you're just putting it on your computer. I assume that your software is typically being used by, you know, fairly large general contractors and so forth. Am I correct on that? You would actually be surprised. So we, we, we obviously, yes, we have a lot of the, you know, our 400, we're a global companies, so we've got, you know, you know, large, large complex projects in Europe and Australia. We have some in the, the U.S. as well. But I've, a lot of the conversations lately have been with some of the some of the medium sized mid market general contractors who are, you know, the U.S. is a little bit behind on kind of the BIM, I think, than from from Europe. It's being required in, in some of the Europe and the European markets. Um, and a lot of it, it's not that we're afraid of it. I think sometimes it's a matter of, oh, I think I need a BIM expert. Or I've got to hire a, you know, a virtual design company to do this for me. And, you know, but if you have a software that takes that complexity out of it, basically all I need is the file. I, and you can see the 4D world built in your scheduling software. That's where I think we've, we've made some ground up in the last few months, actually probably the last eight to nine, eight to nine months was where you don't need to hire a specialist. Your scheduling and planning manager can do this, right? The software, the software does it. You're you're still getting the same information, so it's so so it's now being introduced a little bit more into some of the small to small to mid market general contractors that realize, oh, we can do this and compete with some of the bigger bigger contractors. So I do think that that's a competitive advantage we offer to some of the smaller contractors. Gotcha. And that actually leads really well into my next question, which you've kind of sort of answered already to some degree. But what 
type of ramp up period is there for somebody who's starting to use your software? I mean, you know, I realize that's great that you put it more in the hands of the people who are already there, but still, what kind of effort are they going to have to put out to learn it and and start to use it? So I, I tell my team all the time, our biggest, our biggest competition is construction companies that do nothing, right? So they're looking at a software and they get, they get worried about the disruption. What is this going to cause? How much, how much implementation? So we pride ourselves, number one, on, on hiring industry experts in house that we can, you know, support from support wise implementation. Our implementation process is, is, is very quick. Uh, we actually have a company up and running from a business intelligence power project 4d environment in a week i mean it's it's very very quick we can probably spin the environment up in, in a day and they have it going but there's some training and just some, some some layout what i what i share with our customers though is don't like you don't know what you don't know so let's let's get you up and going in kind of a simplified version see how it works kind of out of the box if you will and then let's we have a process a customer success process along the way that says what do we need to change? They may say, this is perfect. It continues, it works exactly the way we need it to. And then, or they say, you know what? Yes, we need to change. But but part of the, the struggle in construction technology is the difference between, and I always, these words are very tough for me. It's my Texan accent, so forgive me. <laughs> Digitalize versus digitize, right? So digitizing is just taking your process and putting it in a software. And you can take a bad process all day long and put it in the software. It's still a bad process. So well, what I think our responsibility is from the construction technology world is to let's, let's, let's explore processes that our, that our customers have and can we help them improve that process? There's, you know, it's funny to talk to a lot of customers who say, this is how we do it. And it's very, you know, very company policy, you know, very good together. We're going to do it this way. But when you really, get into the nitty gritty. They don't do it that way. They want to do it that way, but they're not doing it that way. So we, so we try to like help get them to where they want to go process wise, but again, limit that disruption piece. So we say, let's, we'll handle that for you. You know, we, we meet with you know, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of customers all the time. We've got, you know, our customer advisory boards. We're listening to our customers. So we're hearing best practices already across the, 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 the world. Let's share them with our customers. And just, I think that ultimately at the end of the day, just, just make it easy. So this was a long, <laughs> long tailed answer to, we make it very simple. You can be spun up really quickly or we're there with you the entire time. We have an onboarding process that's about nine months. And then after that, we, we, we have a continued training process as, as well. So, so I'm kind of curious, um, do, does your company, does Alicosoft encourage your customers, the contractors to, Talk about your software to their clients. I mean, I, do you encourage them to be transparent that, hey, you know, we're using a cutting edge software program that does all these things to help make the project and ensure good things for you? Or do they kind of keep it more behind the scenes? I'm just curious about that. It, it's, a weird, it's a weird industry, right? It's a, it's a relationship built. Everybody knows everybody for the most part. But there are some things that they probably like. They keep very close to their vest. So, um, so, but you know, we share with our customers from the very beginning, from when we start talking to them as a prospect. Our roadmap is driven by our customers. We, you know, we started as a construction company, so we come from the industry. We understand. We understand the industry, but we're not in the industry anymore. We're not. We're, now we're a software company. We're not still a construction company. So 
we rely on our customer base to share not only with us, but you know, let's do some case studies, let's get testimonials, let's figure out ways that we can share best practices across the across the, the region. No, we won't necessarily share proprietary information. That's you know, we're gonna be careful about that. But we do want to make sure we're sharing best practices. But the most I think the, the biggest benefit for us is by the sharing, whether it's whether it's company to company or customers to us, is that's how we're driving our roadmap. We want to build things not because we think our industry needs it. We want to build things that our industry is saying they need. And that's why I'm really intrigued by the smaller to mid-market guys, because those are the guys that they're trying to figure out really innovative ways to be competitive. Right? They're, they're in growth mode. They're trying to be strategic. Maybe they need a little more resources than you know a, a multi-billion dollar construction company. Um, so those guys are, you know, I really like to, now don't be wrong, I like the multi-billion dollar guys too, but, you know, I, I want to hear from everybody. So yeah, so we encourage the sharing to sharing, um, but we try to do that within like a case study or, so we're not sharing, so we can kind of control what data that they want released versus stuff they don't want to share. Well, you mentioned earlier um, having a customer advisory board, which just really struck me and I, and I, cause I don't think too many companies do that. Sometimes I've heard of it and, uh, some trade organizations and things, but a little unusual for businesses. So I applaud you for that. But anything you recall coming out of those sessions with customers um, that, you know, you were like, wow, we never thought of that. You know, that, that was really an aha moment for you. <laughs> so, there, so I think there's some there's some aha moments sometimes up from the negative, um, to be honest and okay. transparent. Sure. I think you have to be willing to hear both sides of it, right? You, you go into it with the expectation your customer is just going to sing your praises, but you're asking them to give you feedback. So you have to be prepared to get that feedback. So I think we learn probably the most from the negative feedback. Um, what they're saying, you know, this is a, in the scheduling and planning world, it's not, it's not a norm, it's not abnormal for our, our customers to also be having, having license of our competitors. So they're using multiple softwares within the company a lot of times. So that you can provide real-time feedback. Well, we can do this in X, so we can do this in X, but we can't do it in yours. Um, you know, or I really like the way this interface is versus yours. So we, so we that that we pull from. But I, I think that listening to outside of the outside of the technology conversation, just listening to how they're tackling some of these challenges, because a lot of people will just sit back and complain. Oh, I can't find any workers. I can't do this. They still have to build things. And so to kind of figure out ways that they're being a little creative, you know, like I said schedule compression is one of them, but you know, the, it, I think, you know, prefab and module, modularization happened, you know, from the kind of manufacturing world. I mean, Todd, I mean, you probably can talk a little bit about that as well, I imagine. Like that, that started because of labor shortages back in the back a while back. If we can build stuff prior to it coming. So that was something that was kind of cutting edge that's obviously continuing. So I like hearing like, ideas around what's coming new but obviously ai is a big conversation like how can we help we bring in ai how can you know I, I know people throw those around ai and you know machine learning and all this stuff they throw it around very you know without kind of context but i think ai is a huge piece uh, uh, from technology if you can help take some of that information feedback from the customers a lot of it is around just predictive predictive if i could wake up in the morning and, and show up to my office and I have some predictive analytics around my scheduling saying, David, you're going to be in trouble in, in five weeks because if you don't do this, this, and this, right? And here, and AI then says, okay, however, here's a solution. Do this, this, and this. 
we're doing that now from a human perspective. And I think a lot of people get nervous, but I think if, if you take away some of the, some of the kind of, I guess the human emotion from it and just say, it's very black and white. Here's where we're going to be in trouble. Here's what we need to do to fix it now. I can go and make sure that I'm aligned for that. So those are so those are some of the conversations that I think are are, are, are pretty pretty hot on everybody's uh, mind right now. Um, I, I joke and I say, "Hey, I may take over the world, but let's figure out a way to you know, so figure out a way to utilize it, make money off of it now." Um, yeah. So yeah, and that so that's really I guess there are a lot of really cool things that come out of it. But just be ready to handle the negative too, and, and just pivot from it and learn from it. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I know some of those customer voice of the customer type things I've been involved with. Yeah. You, you learn real quick that I'm going to learn from the bad stuff. Sometimes it strikes you right in the heart when you hear it. Um, but that is where development comes from. So I'm, I'm kind of curious and you touched on it, but as you look out, um, to the future, are there any emerging trends or innovations that, um, you foresee in technology or or even maybe non-technology things that you think are really going to impact construction and project management in the future? If you look at construction just 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, really, I mean, I remember early in construction, um, you know, I wasn't, I, was, I wasn't as heavily involved in it when I, when I owned my own company, but there were times as a, as a laborer, I'd go with our estimator, you would go into the GC's office you, you know, take the plants, you did, you did your mark off and takeoffs right there. You put it on a clipboard, right? Everybody got to see each other, have a cup of coffee, right? It was, mm-hmm. it was the way, then fax machines came, right? The, the only technology you saw on most job sites were maybe walkie talkies, maybe a CD player, right? Now it's, then the fax machine came, but then you had to make sure somebody was there to, to put the paper in the fax machine. But, you know, then started, right? Then mobile technology came. And they claimed for the cloud, like, I, I mean, the technology world, everybody said, well, construction is getting left behind. I think construction has always been one of the most innovative industries. They just they were real, they were really cautious. I think in, if you look at 2017, 2018, they were buying they're just buying everything because of, oh that looks really cool. Back to my digitalization versus digitized. You're still buying software that's doing bad process. So then they become very guarded, and they hired these directors of innovation and technology. And I'm not trying to speak ill of any of you guys because y'all are, y'all are the guys we talk to. The IT directors, directors of innovation. Their job is to stop buying just software. It needs to make sense. And so I think a lot of the technology is here now, right? Cloud-based solutions. Everybody wants cloud-based solutions. Problem is, is your tunnel guys can't use cloud-based solutions because there's no internet in the tunnels, right? So we have to figure out a way, how can we do that offline? So I think there's going to be some, so probably some 5G, 6G, 7G track towers that are going to probably come up that'll allow underground communication. AI, we talked about. I mean, you're seeing robotics and automations already on sites, being able to, as a project manager, some of these really cool, you know, like open space where I can go and look and see my site without being on my site and map it out in real time. Uh, our drones are, you know, drones, which they've been trying to implement drones for such a long time now. They really have drones, drones that can do, you know, takeoffs and updates. So, I mean, there's some really cool stuff that's already happening. And so I guess I, I say all that because you've, we've changed so much just in the, even the last 10 years I, I think I would be foolish to think where we're going to be in the next 10 years. And I, you know, cause I think everything that we're talking about today is probably going to be old news, very much like the fax machine, you know, is for us now. So, um, but, I, but I see a lot, you know, the, I love virtual, you know, the virtual and augmented reality. I think that piece is pretty cool as well. Uh, where I can, you know, I can walk through my site virtually, which is pretty neat. 
So, I mean, I'm sure there's some other things out there that I'm not thinking about, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be pretty fun to watch. That was a very interesting answer, I think. And, you know, I, I thought I was the only person alive who still remembered the advent of fax machines. So I'm glad I'm, I'm feel comfortable <laughs> now, but, um, no, I, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, I was, yeah, I, I was responsible for collecting yeah. the make sure the paper was in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting what you said, though, as far as, yes, there's more things to come, but there's a lot of technology right now still being adopted and, and perfected and, and brought in as well. So um, that's good stuff. Well, yeah, David, this has been really informative and, and a lot of fun. Um we're kind of close to wrapping up what we call the business end of things. Is there anything we haven't covered yet today that you want to make sure you get out to our audience, maybe about Alicosoft or just your thoughts in general? Well, I will tell you, you know, we're, we're, I, I, I hope the point comes across that, you know, we, we want to be, you know, we want, we want to be partners with our, with our, our customers in, in the industry. I've even told my team, like, it's okay you know, obviously we want to sell, right? We're, we're, we're a company, we're a business. But at the end of the day, if we can still, everybody that we talk to, we can help in any way, whether it's just talking through a problem, helping them solve a problem, if they don't buy our technology, I think we want to always be that, right? At our core, we want to help. We want to be a helper. Um, but at the end of the day, we're easy to do business with. We, you know, we want to make it, you know, a simple implementation process. We want to partner with, with our customers and we want to listen we want it, we want to be a part of those cutting edge technologies that are out there and other ways that we can do that. The other thing that we really didn't we didn't touch on a whole lot was that you know there's other technologies out there that we that we can partner with that not necessarily it's not something we do but there's a way that we can you know start to kind of work together with other construction tech companies that you know maybe we don't do this piece of it but they do this piece of it and there's a way for us to you know partner together we we have an open partnership um with a lot of other companies, not only in the U.S. but also in the U.K. and Australia, so that's a that's a big piece of it as well. Is we want to partner with our this. It's all about helping the industry. It's an industry I love. Yeah, I, I I'm in construction technology because I gave up the hard hat. Now it's time for me to you know still help the industry, but you know do it in a different different perspective. That is very cool. And one of the things we talk a lot about on the show is, you know, we just work in an, and are blessed by an amazing industry um, that has so much variety and so many exciting things. And you're right. Sometimes we get a bad rap that, that we are kind of slow at adopting things. But the reality is, I, I think construction moves right along and, you know, it is serious business. So you can't uh, sometimes jump into things too headstrong shall i say and uh, you got to be a little careful sometimes also well this has been great david so i feel like we need a trombone sound effect or something because we're now ready to go into what we call our rapid fire questions if you're willing so rapid fire consists of seven questions um some are serious some are a little silly um, all you have to do is to give your quick answer and it helps our audience know you a little bit better so um, I have to ask you, are you up to the challenge of rapid fire? I am, yes. Awesome. Ryan, um, we can try to alternate questions here. You want to ask, ask the first one? I would love to. Question number one, if you could be transformed into one animal, which one would you choose? <laughs> uh, okay, so 
the leader in me says lion, but I've always said yeah, I've always said eagle because to me eagles have a lot of freedom, right? They're still kind of the king of the birds, right? The freedom piece to me is, is probably the the more appealing piece of it. I like that. Good answer. Uh, question number two: What is something that never fails to make you laugh? <laughs> I'd say my kids. My dad of seven boys. So they're a uh, they're constant. Whether it's their their failures, sometimes they're they're funny failures, or just sometimes the things they do. And then you know, and, and I have a grandson too. He yeah, he makes he makes me laugh every time I see him. Oh, that's awesome stuff. Good answer. Question number three: You've been selected to be on a reality TV show of your choice. What show would you be on? Uh, probably Ultimate Survivor. Yeah, 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 definitely. I like being outside. Very competitive. Yeah. You think you could win? Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I would cheat, but I'd win. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that may kind of lead into the next question. Um, what world record do you think you would have a shot at beating? Man, I, it, had to, that, it would have to be something around eating, probably. Probably like the world's largest steak, maybe most hot dogs. Yeah, that, I, I'd probably have a shot at those world records. Yeah. Have you entered in ever entered into an this is not a rapid fire question. This is a side question. Have you ever entered into an eating competition? No, I've not. I've watched them and I'm like, ah. and most of the guys that do it are very, very skinny. And I'm like, where do they I know it makes no sense? Yeah, yeah. it makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe it maybe if you're skinny, you got more space for everything. Yeah, maybe that's what it is, right? So it's <laughs> the, the, the fat's compressing the space, I guess. Yeah, yeah. All right. Question number five. Do you have a favorite quote that you can share with us? I, I mean, it's probably, it's been my motto since 2021. I don't know if it's really a quote. Um, it's just control what you can control. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, 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 I've adopted that in 2021. It's just kind of like a mantra. I've, I've, that's the number one thing. If anybody asks me about four core values, that's number one is control what you can control. And, and once you kind of let other things go because they're out of your control, it's just a little freeing, right? It's because you get very frustrated when you can't control everything. So, yeah, I've just, yeah, control what you can control. I can certainly see that being something that came up in 2021 when we were dealing with supply yes. chain shortages and all the craziness uh, that came out of COVID. Wow. Interesting. Love it. Okay. Question number six. Um, what is your favorite holiday tradition? I love Christmas. Um, I'm, I've been trying to put my Christmas tree up since June. So, yeah, I've... Um, Come from a big family, so I have a big family now. Like there's so holiday tradition, just the you know gathering of family, you know. But it's usually around Christmas, so yeah, I'd leave my tree up all year long. More if I let me do it. Well, I was going to say I would leave my tree up all year long too, but it's just out of pure laziness. I got to confess. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I'm always ready to put our tree up super early, but my wife is not. Like she has to wait until after Thanksgiving. And yes, that's uh, my wife. What is that? Yeah, well, she's like, I'm like, I, I, so I told her my rule is as soon as they start coming out in the stores, we should be able to put them out, which is like August. So now this month. We're good. We're now. good. I'm right there with you on that one. Okay. Final question. Name a product or service that you have purchased recently that you would consider life changing. Well, I haven't purchased it, but I was trying to figure out, I was trying to figure out if, if, if buying hydrogen was something that was legal or not. I know there's a lot of research going on around it. I haven't bought that recently. But no, I, I, something that's life changing. I, nothing's really been life changing that I can think of. I mean, what, you know, I, 
I guess I'm a car guy. You know, I love pickup trucks. I guess I, I just we just purchased the a new truck and it's got the multi multifunction tailgate on it. I love it. It's probably uh-huh. for an old for it helps me get in my back of the truck easily. Here, so that that's actually been I, I'd say probably life changing. Probably just makes me more lazy actually. But yeah, that's actually <laughs> been pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Good answer. Well, David, thank you again for joining us today here on the show. This has been great, and I think it's been very informative. So for folks who would want to get in touch with you or to learn more about Alicosoft, um, how can they most easily do that? Yeah, probably the easiest way is the website. It's uh, alicosoft.com. Uh, there's a lot of information on there. There's ways to contact us. There's webinars, a lot of uh, a lot of informative information. Um, obviously, you know our, our LinkedIn page as well, we try to Try to keep that up to date with upcoming webinars. Just to, you know, even if we're not customers, be able to just see what we're about and what, we're, what we have to offer. Very good. So that's alicosoft.com. And we will put that information in the show notes as well for folks who are uh, watching us on YouTube or one of the podcast platforms. Um, so um, before we close out, uh, I'm pleased to announce we were. We, we chose some weird challenge words, but we That's were all so successful weird. at them. Um, Ryan, you had the word. Unicorn, if that was not obvious. <laughs> not obvious at all. <laughs> uh, David, your word was. Hydrogen. I was trying to figure out the entire show how I was going to fit that in there. <laughs> sometimes they're easier than others. Sometimes it's yeah. just tough. You, you got her in there, though. Good job. And, uh. My word, I also kind of got in there at the end was trombone, uh, which I thought that was going to be an easy one, but it was not. It was hard for me to figure out. So it's been great. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure and a lot of fun. I'm anxious to uh, uh, get this in front of our audience and uh, have them uh, learn more about uh, Alicosoft and what y'all are doing there. I appreciate you guys having me. It was a it was a pleasure meeting you guys. Well, you too. And thank you so much to our audience for tuning into this episode of Construction Disruption with David Hernandez of Elicosoft. Um, please watch for future episodes of our podcast. We're always blessed with great guests. Don't forget to leave a review, please, on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. Um, until the next time we're together, though, keep on disrupting and challenging uh, the construction industry and those around us to better ways of doing things. And don't ever forget to have a positive impact on those in your life, everyone you encounter. Uh, make them smile, encourage them, uh, simple yet powerful things we can all do to really change the world. Uh, so God bless and take care. This is Isaiah Industries signing off. Until the next episode of Construction Disruption. This podcast is produced by Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building products.